Good evening, Mendocino County. This is Michelle Hutchins, host for Inside Education. This month in April, we are celebrating Autism Acceptance Month. In honor of Autism Acceptance Month, I'm interviewing local educators that work with students on the autism spectrum in our local schools. We have a special guest tonight as we are joined by a student from Willits High School, as well as their mother. Both will be sharing their personal experiences in our public schools. Our guests tonight are Kelly Labus, who is the Special Education Director of Willits Unified School District, Amanda Pearson, who functions as the Program Specialist for the Special Education Department at Willits Unified, and we have Aiden Joseph Thrillkill, who is a student at Willits High School, and his mother, Chris Thrillkill, who also will be adding some of her thoughts on uh, working with children on the autism spectrum in our public school system. Uh, Why don't we introduce ourselves to the KZYX listeners this evening? Kelly Labus, if you would tell us a little bit about what you do, what your job is, and and how why you chose the field you did in education. Sure. I am the director of special education programs in Willits Unified School District, and we offer programs for all different kinds of students with all different kinds of disabilities, starting in preschool and all the way up until young people who are 22 and launching into adulthood. We support students who have learning disabilities such as dyslexia. We support students who have physical disabilities and we support kids who are neurodiverse, which means they think a little bit differently. And autism is one of the kinds of disabilities that we have some specific programs designed to help kids benefit from all the great things that our district has to offer. Sometimes they just need things presented in a little bit of a different way. Uh, or have a little bit of extra support. So my job is to make sure that all of our staff understand disabilities and that we offer programs that make sense given our small town and first and foremost that our kids feel that they are a part of the school community. Just because you have a disability doesn't mean that you have to be in some other classroom far, far away from everybody else. You open Willits and you should get to be in school with your friends. Kelly Labus, Director of Special Education for Willits Unified School District. Now with her today is Amanda Pearson. Amanda, can you tell the KZYX listeners what you do for work and, and maybe why you chose your profession? Absolutely. I am the program specialist for Willits Unified School District, so I support all the schools here. I'm kind of Kelly's right-hand woman. I mentor the new teachers. I help admin IEPs. I help in the classrooms a lot, uh, problem solve. You started as a special ed teacher. And I I started as a sub-paraprofessional in a special day class here. Yeah, and then I was a special ed teacher, and here I am. And I just want to say that our goal, special education, is to help our students be as independent and successful as possible when they leave us. 
both of you have brought a special guest tonight. And can can we have that young man introduce himself to our listeners? Yeah, my name is Aiden Thrillkill. Uh, I am an attendant at Willits High School. Go Wolverines. Go Wolverines. <laughs> Excellent. For our listeners tonight, April April is a special month, I think, for all of us. It is what's known as Autism Awareness Month, and it's why we've chosen this topic for tonight. How would you define autism? I'll, I'll go for it. Uh-huh. Okay. So this is Amanda. Amanda's going to take yeah. our first question. First of all, we're trying to change it to Autism Acceptance Month. Autism That's Acceptance what, Month. What the neurodivergent community is more comfortable with. That is the new title. Explaining autism. I think the thing that I would like people to understand the most that it is a spectrum, but that spectrum isn't exactly linear. Autism is more like stars in the sky. Everybody's different. You can be nonverbal, super academically high. You can have great social skills and have autism just like neurotypical people neurodivergent people are just unique to themselves does anyone Uh, want to add to that description i just want to echo um amanda's thought that when someone says they have autism i really don't know much more than that i need to get more information we have a student's who are in our programs who have autism that need a lot of help with language. Some students who have autism have a really hard time communicating. They may even need to use technology to communicate because there's a part of their brain that pulls together the ideas and the words. And for some kids with autism, it's very difficult to express. We have some students with autism with that's not an issue at all. Autism is, when we use the word neurodiverse, it means that your brain, your neurons work in a way that's a little bit different. Things might feel a little different, or you might perceive things a little differently when you have autism. It also might mean that when you're thinking about a particular thing, you just want to go with it. And if you have autism, you want to follow that information and it keeps coming back to you and you want to bring it up over and over because that's an area that becomes very, very important. Those are some things you might find with people with autism. I'm wondering if you're willing, Aiden, to talk a little bit about your own experiences. Comfortable with that? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> so for me, there's not really an issue. Some, you know, it's all depending on how bright the sun shines. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's parts where it's um. I just seem like you're a regular everyday guy. Yeah. And then there's some days where, I don't know, my brain just decides to leave. So, yeah. It's hard to sometimes connect things for you, and it, and that's all right. Learn a little different. That was Kelly Labus, the director of special ed from Willits Unified, and it was also Aiden, <clears throat> excuse me, Thrillkill, who was sharing his experiences and his personal answer to the question on how we would define what autism is. What would you tell someone if they asked you, 
how can I tell if someone or if a friend of mine has autism? Well, in my personal experience in the Willis Unified School District Special Education Program, people with autism are also followed with various levels of ADHD. So someone who's constantly fidgeting or someone who's just constantly making a random noise, nothing on them. Uh, but that usually might be a sign, but that's not always. There's really no physical characteristics other than potentially some fidgeting that would tell someone, indicate. So are there any typical signs? No. I, I think, sorry. Yeah, we've got Aiden's mom back here. and oh, please I know join. <laughs> Aiden's mom, please introduce yourself to our listeners tonight. I'm Chris Throkill. And I think as, a, as the mom of an autism person and observing them, not every kid has the same characteristics. For, for Aiden, it was the, the lack of focus, um, the lining up of cars, so fixations. We watched the same movies over and over and over and over. Mm-hmm. He uh, enjoyed playing and still enjoys playing with monster trucks. He has moved from active playing to just collecting. And, and he has quite a collection of, of little monster trucks in his room. And when he was little, all the monster trucks would be lined up straight all in a row perfectly straight and he would spend 20 minutes building this beautiful magnificent track for the trucks to drive on and then he'd play with the track for like 10 minutes and then he'd go back to building a new track so it was the fixation on on things being in a perfect row and the the fixation on building this racetrack for the trucks i know in some of the the groups that i belong to it's the fixations of, of everything perfection. being of perfection of everything being in a, in a straight row or having all your your stuffed animals lined up along your bed or along the wall or something mm-hmm. and the, the, the lack of focus sometimes when and the inability to switch gears yes so, yes and that's and, very and common that's for many kids that we have in our district it's hard for them to switch gears. and that's something that we still struggle with mm-hmm is being able to go from from task A to task B, and God forbid you did it unexpectedly. Right. <laughs> I Even as, as when he was a little kid, I'd have to have an explanation as to why we had to do different things. So like we're going to Ukiah and we're going to go to Walmart, and that's where his vexation is, is that we're going from home to Walmart. But I need to, to take a detour and go to Kohl's mm-hmm. first, I'll have to tell and explain why we have to make this change. My my nine-year-old daughter, she doesn't care. <laughs> she's not neurodivergent. So she's like, okay, we'll go to Kohl's. And for him, the fixation was going from home to Walmart. And now I'm throwing in something different. And and the switching from going straight to Walmart or changing from school subjects, going from going from one subject, English to social studies, and, and that switch of, of changing subjects. 
Yeah, those transitions. This is Amanda again. Those transitions are typically can be pretty tough. And that is why we use in education schedules and visual schedules and things to help support our students moving from class to class and subject to subject. And if there's a surprise or, you know, a fire drill or a assembly, we put that on the schedule too to help them see what is coming up. Uh, the visuals are super critical because they're permanent. They're not words that float away. They're something they can see that's tangible. And that will help students of all age levels and ranges as well, ability ranges to be able to obtain that same level. Absolutely. It just looks a little different. If you're younger, you have cute little pictures of maybe different things, you know, and maybe no words if they can't read. And as you grow, maybe it's in a binder that looks just like everyone else's binder. It's just your classes written down. That was Amanda Pearson. She's the program specialist at Willits Unified School District. We've just covered signs of autism and a definition. What might you tell parents when they might have a question about whether or not their child may be on the spectrum? Like what, what should their first step be if they have a question about whether or not their child may have autism? For any parent, right? You have you have this weird suspicion, and you go to you go to Google it, right? But honestly, we have so many supports available through public education that if you suspect that your child has autism, the first thing you can do is reach out to the school. This is Kelly Leba speaking. She's the special education director at Willits Unified, and and Kelly, would you just explain to listeners like where who who at the school should they go to? Because for many of our public, the school is this large entity. So who is that person that they that a parent should reach out to? Sure. So if if your child is already in school, the, the best place to start is by having a conversation with your child's teacher, and talk about what your concerns are and. That teacher, in turn, would schedule a meeting. We call them student study team meetings where we discuss what the parents' concerns are, how the kid is doing, what they're doing well in the school. And as a result of gathering that information, um, we might want to do an assessment. What we do in a school setting is we look for a disability under education code. And autism is one of those disabilities. We aren't making a medical diagnosis of autism, but we can assess and say that educationally, autism would be a way for your child to get special ed services. That assessment would take place with a school psychologist, special ed teacher. Sometimes occupational therapy is important. Uh, Some people with autism have sensory needs and uh, occupational therapy can be very insightful. We also have a relationship with our um, Redwood Coast Regional Center, and the Redwood Coast Regional Center provides support outside of school setting to people with disabilities. They also assess clinically for autism and can provide services beyond the school day if your child is found to have autism. You're listening to Inside Education. This is Michelle Hutchins. I'm your host this evening, and I am interviewing 
two educators from Willits Unified who work with students with autism. Kelly Labus, the Director of Special Education, and Amanda Pearson, the Program Specialist for Special Education, both at Willits Unified School District. In addition to Kelly and Amanda, we have Aiden Joseph Thrillkill and his mother, Chris Thrillkill, who have joined them. Um, in our discussion today. We are having an open discussion with the four of them uh, about what it's like to work in the public schools and to be in the public schools, um, working either with children with autism or having autism. I have read that people often apologize for things that they've done wrong or things that they regret. However, I've read that people with autism often feel they're apologizing for who they are. Mm-hmm. How do you help a learning community grow beyond that? Wow. I have. <laughs> I, wow. Yeah. I, I will talk about yeah, that please. a little bit. That's a huge question. I, <laughs> this is Amanda that. Pearson speaking. <laughs> I hope we're moving in that direction One of the things we are really promoting here at Willits Unified is inclusion. And like Kelly Labus said, we're not educating people in another classroom or the back of the school. We're all together and we're all learning and we have a lot of great information. Everyone has great stuff to give each other. Um, So I think that inclusion is a really good start. And how would you define inclusion? Oh, boy. I don't know the the technical term, but in my head, it's all students of all abilities being educated together, everyone getting what they need to learn and succeed, whatever that may be. Amanda Pearson, our program specialist at Willits Unified School District. Any other thoughts on that? I have some that I think maybe Aiden can help me go into some details about. But I know that when Aiden first began to get services for special education because of his autism, he was in fifth grade class and fourth. fourth, Was it fourth? Gosh, we've known you a long time. (laughs) He was in a fourth grade class and there were some difficulties with some of the the kids in his class, some peers. Aiden's sense of right and wrong was very, very strong. I think partly his different thinking, he was willing to bring that to his peers and teach them about it. Aiden had a support person and he and that support person developed a presentation for his class about bullying. Do you want to talk a little bit more about Oh, you did that? And and so really it was Aiden teaching his peers about what what he needed. To succeed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? No, I don't. You don't remember? <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Mom, do you remember? I do. Um, him and Gail is a came up with the whole presentation. And they talked about just how how kindness works and that that everybody has issues of one kind or another and that you shouldn't take for granted what is going on with somebody. 
Yeah, Aiden was able to say to his whole class. Yeah, he even he did a PowerPoint, and visuals are really helpful for people with autism. But he made visuals for his classmates that said, if somebody's doing something that you're not sure about or understanding about, you don't just yell at them. And Aiden had some really clear ideas about here's how you can ask for help, and not everybody thinks the same way you do. His teacher at the time really embraced that, and that's something that has been, um, for all of our small town stuff, we've had teachers who have been so willing to take every student under their wing and, and let them shine and grow, whether they have autism or dyslexia or a physical need. It sometimes takes a lot of education. Amanda Pearson has developed some really good curriculum. and She goes around and talks to our general ed teachers about disability. There's some great books. There's a book called Everyone Has Something, and she's led some class discussions about, you know, some people have autism. Some people have other kinds of disabilities. The work is never done, um, but I have to say Willits Unified has done a really great job getting word out super proud of yeah. Aiden mm-hmm. and our teachers uh, for making it work. Again is Kelly Labus, the Director of Special Education from Willits Unified School District. And, and you know, there is a reason why I called you up and asked you to be on today <laughs> on tonight's show. Um, and it is because Willits Unified has an exceptional program um, for students with disabilities, truly. Another piece, when we look at autism, often we hear that anxiety plays a big part with a child with autism. Would any of you like to speak about how anxiety either affects people with autism or what the general public could do when seeing a student or child suffering with anxiety to help calm the situation? Don't say calm down. (laughs) Yeah, that never works. We tried that. It never works. What does work? Let's see. Well, if I saw that Aiden was in the middle of a, a an episode um, and having an, an anxiety meltdown, let's see. First thing we do is I let him rage for a little bit, and let because he's got well, one, he's a big guy, <laughs> and two, he has a lot of energy built up. As the anxiety is built up inside him, so has the energy that he possesses. We run through the anxiety or the the energy, and then I'm like, okay, can we do some breathing? The smell the flower, blow out the candle. I still have the uh, the card in my purse. <laughs> it's a it's a tool for anxiety and for for autistic kids, but for anxiety. Let's see. Uh, touching is a big mm-hmm. is a big thing for Aiden. So I might touch him, or or he will grab my hand and play with my fingers. And then let's see, tight squeezes. But you have to ask for permission. Yep. It's like, can I can I give you a tight squeeze? Do you need some tight squeezes? Sometimes it's just his arms or his hand, giving his hand some tight squeezes. Were there things, Aiden, like? 
we have things available at school when you were younger, mostly like like a beanbag weighted thing <laughs> on your lap that helps you with your anxiety that, or being able to just go outside and walk back and forth. What things at school helped you and might help other kids with anxiety? Like any tools? Just walking out of the getting, classroom. Getting uh, some flashbacks to kindergarten to first grade and uh, Miss Gonzalez. What were the things that she had you do? Uh, she had, had a giant weighted blanket with a weighted vest. <laughs> that he wore all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And did that help? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, giving so him... just sort of like a weighted blanket, a weighted vest, or anything that's really weighted. It usually feels like a sense of security. I think allowing the elopement. So she would... He had to stay in the classroom, but he could get up and wander around as long as he wasn't disruptive to the other kids. Um, I think that helped in all of the classes. When he was in middle school, it started to become an issue. They uh, they worked on focusing his elopement, um, which is just getting up and leaving the classroom. Yeah, that's something that we have worked a lot with our staff and giving some kids some boundaries. Like, it's okay. The kid has anxiety to give them permission to to move around being able to step outside for a moment and calm down um, and come back in as, as long as all the staff are on the same page and we've communicated about that that seems to be really helpful you know you're not just eloping and running away forever but you need to just step outside sometimes mm -hmm. and i i know for many of our kids that's been really helpful take a break take a break use your break card yeah. headphones oh yeah Let's talk about headphones. Talk about that as a technique, if if one of you would, please. Is that something you ever used, Aiden? Yeah. Yeah. And what do the headphones do for you, Aiden? You remember? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can talk about that a little bit. This is Amanda Pearson. Bringing my students into an assembly or some a place that's loud or if there's a fire drill letting them use noise canceling headphones is just a really good idea i'm going to interrupt for a moment so when we talk about noise canceling headphones that is because oftentimes students with autism can have what they call sensory issues or heightened experiences which can be tricky to navigate as a child. These are one of the solutions that you put into place to help avoid those heightened experiences, correct? Correct, yeah, and to, to make it so they can be mainstreamed, be included in everything, exactly. Yeah. Oftentimes, students that are having these heightened experiences or sensory issues, you know, we've seen when adults with autism often can put these sensory issues to great use if they've developed coping skills to be able to handle them. What are some of the things that you do as instructors and teachers to help students gain those coping skills? Practice. <laughs> Practice. Yeah, um, this is Kelly Labus, the director of special education. There, There's a lot of, uh, just like we have chosen curriculums for reading and math, there's a lot of excellent curriculums out there designed for uh, folks who are neurodiverse. We have our speech and language specialists and our school psychologists and some of our teachers have groups for kids 
to practice when they're having anxiety or a sensory experience, here's the things that are helpful. And they might even um, sort of role play it out or practice when it's not the stressful situation. Here's the things you do. One of the other ways that we have offered kids to practice is a technique called social stories. If there's something that might be problematic for a student, uh, it may be Going into an assembly is is super stressful and they know they've got their noise canceling headphones and they really want to go, but they're going to worry about it. We practice ahead of time by writing about what to expect and how that experience might make you feel. And the student can look at it over and over again and prepare in that way to be able to give them perspective about what they might experience when they get there. Social stories are something I know when Amanda was in the classroom, uh, she used with a lot of her students, and I I find they've been really successful. Absolutely. Social stories and kind of preempting, practicing, and planning is what I'm hearing you all say. Yeah. Yeah. Front loading. This is Michelle Hutchins, host for Inside Education. In celebration of Autism Acceptance Month, we are taking time and interviewing staff from Willits Unified School District that work with students on the autism spectrum. We have a special guest tonight who is Aiden Thrillkill, who is a student at Willits High School. We have Aiden's mother, Chris Thrillkill, who also will be sharing a parent perspective on having a child with autism in our public schools. Society has decided that anger is not acceptable, even though it's completely normal response for many atypical students to express when dealing with a heightened experience or anxiety. What might you want, is there anything you'd like to share with our listeners about that subject? I think this would be a good one for you. I really do. I think you're. So <laughs> what I really remember when I would be in that situation is it's not really anger. It's just absurd amounts of panic. <laughs> you know, you're in, you're sitting in class, you're trying to finish your work before the day ends, all of a sudden there's a fire alarm going off, and you weren't expecting it. And, you know, that fire alarm, what happens with me is that for some reason my brain goes to the worst possible outcome. So, you know, there's a fire alarm, oh my god, the building's going to burn down. Sort of like that. Or, you know, a lockdown drill. Uh, we had a couple, we've already had a couple of those at Willits High. Uh, you're thinking something's going to happen. So it's not really anger, it's just a high amount of panic. And often I... that can look like anger? Is that is that what we're saying? Oh, yeah. 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 And a lot of the times when you're so panicked that you're sort of sounding angry, then it's often misinterpreted as anger. I see a lot of our students go into fight or flight, for example. Their anger may appear to be directed at a teacher 
or whoever happens to be there with them in the moment. You're right on, Aiden. Sometimes it's that that panic inside that one thing that we really want to do is help kids with autism communicate in ways that people can hear them. And sometimes anger is communication. and We need to find better ways to listen. That was Kelly Labus, the Director of Special Education for Willits Unified School District. When I was teaching, I would use an evidence-based practice called the five-point scale, and that's kind of name it to tame it, name name your feeling to tame it. And um, so the five-point scale is red, angry, you know, all the colors all the way down to calm. And, you know, asking the student, where are you? Are you at, you seem like you're at red right now. And letting them name it really was effective. Mm -hmm. Giving them a way to communicate how they're feeling. You're listening to Amanda Pearson, the program specialist for Willits Unified School District. What options are out there for parents that might be looking for additional support for their child or just newly learning that their child has autism and they're looking at that spectrum of the 12 years of education in front of them? What options are out there for parents and and what would you recommend being that you are both specialists in the area of special education? I'm not a professional. (laughs) I haven't haven't studied specifically for this, but throughout the state of California, not just in Mendocino County, there are plenty of schools that specialize in disabilities. So the options are always to start with helping families get their child support right here where they live. We generally start with bringing the services to the child right there at the school where they attend. Um, that might mean that they have a, a special ed teacher who works with their regular teacher to develop those strategies, like uh, Amanda described, schedules and things like that. Some students need to go and have a separate spot. So they're might be a special ed classroom. We offer those options, uh, special ed classrooms. Um, If kids need to have more intensive needs met, we have partnerships with districts around our county. Sometimes a student might need a very intensive program designed uh, specifically for autism. Kaya has had programs such as that. So we would call and, and make a discussion. We could make an application and Sometimes students need even more support, um, and our our district would hold meetings and 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 discuss whether something outside of the county might be needed. We always start at home, and we try and make it work because nobody wants to have to go far, far away to get their needs met. Would you recommend public school over homeschooling for students on the autism spectrum? Aiden's going to jump in there for a minute, just yes, as a student. Um, personally, personally, I don't have control over your child, so my decision is not final. <laughs> Number one, there are benefits to homeschool and private school. Uh, I've only been homeschooled for one year. That was when the whole COVID shebang sort of screwed everything up, flipped everything on its head. 
what I found is I would prefer a public school because at homeschool, it's absurdly easy to get distracted. You know, most of the time there's going to be a TV in the background. There's going to be another kid if if you're a multi-kid household. It's just really distracting, homeschool. Meanwhile, with public school, everyone really sort of has the same goals. Uh, yeah, I, I highly, highly recommend public school for kids with all disabilities, autism in particular. Each parent knows their student best, their child best. The parents are in the driver's seat in terms of saying yes to the services that we have to offer. When you have an individualized education plan, if you had autism and you will have an IEP to support that, the public schools use what Amanda brought up, evidence-based practices, things that we know are tried and true that work to to provide support and help. Um, And so we will meet and work with you until we land on on what works for your child. Um, And and that's something that we can always do in public schools. that was Kelly Labus, Director of Special Education for Willits Unified. This is Chris Throckill, Aiden's mom. And I wanted to say that it's not just a positivity thing for the, the neurodivergent child. It's also for the non-neurodivergent children, too, because it teaches them how to deal with people who are different. Mm-hmm. As they grow up, the neurodivergent people don't go away. They, they're part of your daily life and you work with people who have neurodivergencies or who have disabilities of, of one sort or another. As an adult, you come into contact people with people in the grocery store, in restaurants, at work, you know, or at play, camping or whatever. It's helpful if you're already exposed to seeing someone with Tourette's having a, a a, a episode mm-hmm. or seeing somebody with autism having a meltdown and what that looks like because it's ugly <laughs> <laughs> having you know having a child who has a meltdown in the grocery store is is not a nice thing it's not fun it's not pretty and it's embarrassing the parents but, not having a good day. <laughs> the parents not having a good day. The child's not having a good day. And as a parent who's who's walked by another parent trying to deal with it, you're not embarrassed for that person. But maybe for the people who think that they, they know better and come up and say, you know, you really need to deal with your kid. <laughs> and you're like, really? <laughs> I am. Um, and I think it's really important for for non-divergent people to be exposed to divergent people. Mm-hmm. And you get that through public school. Michelle, I have to echo that. This is Kelly speaking. One thing that is important about having kids with disabilities in public schools, kids with autism in public schools, is that it broadens the horizons for every single student on the campus. In my experience, and I, you know, I, I can just say Aiden is just an amazing young man, and I'm so grateful that he's been a part of our programs because 
he happens to have autism, but he has friends who could care less that he has autism. He has been active in sports. He happens to be our school mascot right now. He's the Wolverine. So if you come to a football game. <laughs> uh, baseball. Football game is going to be off. Yeah, baseball. Yeah, anyhow, um, what kids can learn is that, you know, yeah, this is a guy that sits next to me in my math class and he's funny and he has a great sense of humor and he's really good at certain things. And he also happens to have autism. Mm -hmm. That's the goal. And, and that's what we hope to achieve in the public schools is that everybody's got something and um, that's okay. Often you hear parents of children with autism say that the stigma of raising a different child or different children drive them to suffer in secrecy. What help is out there to combat that? Here comes Chris. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Chris Thrillkill, who is Aiden's mom. Honestly, there are a lot of really good groups on Facebook that I belong to. Autistic Moms is one I think that I belong to. That where we can, you know, it has moms from from like little two year old newly diagnosed to thirty year old moms or thirty moms with thirty year old kids saying, "Yes, it's hard. Yes." You're going to cry a lot <laughs> or you're going to struggle and you're going to, you know, question everything that you do, but you make it through. So I think finding your tribe and finding people around you who are going through the same thing, even if it's on social media, if, you know, um, I, you have to find the people and it is, it's, it's, it is, it can be ostracizing because that autistic person you're dealing with them all the time um, when he was little we didn't go a whole lot of places and a lot of times like restaurants or different places it would be really loud because he couldn't, he couldn't. but now that i've relatively matured <laughs> with huge air quotes there <laughs> uh i'm able to Travel along with the football team, sometimes the baseball team, places like Middletown and Lake County. So, but I think, I think, yes, it's, especially if you're at home with the, the, the small child, social media is a really big help. The, the Redwood Coast Regional Center has uh, some, and, and just recently in the last, I'd say six months, developed some parent trainings and parent support groups. Mm -hmm under uh there's a, a fantastic uh local expert on autism um, her name is denise keller um, and she consults for redwood coast regional center she also happens to be the parent of a young man with with autism and they have monthly meetings um that kids that parents who have ch children with autism can participate in there's also a fantastic website called understood it covers how to advocate for your child if they have autism. It also covers other disabilities and and uh, helps you navigate. Do you, do you know the website of that? Do you know what that site is? If it's I, called understood.org. Understood.org. Okay. Another question. Often we hear that the system is broken. As a parent of an autistic child myself, 
I often hear that the system is broken. What are your thoughts or how have you organized things in Willits to combat that? You don't give up. Uh, you, you know that information is key and that um, we may not have the finances to have fancy teachers and fancy equipment and, you know, however, keep having conversations with people, keep having conversations with teachers and secretaries and yard duties so that they understand. And the system may not be set up perfectly and we may not be able to change the system, but what we can change is people, right? You can, you can help people get to know each other. Uh, and, and, um, I think that's something that I'm so proud of our, our staff here and, and really countywide. We have some fantastic programs everywhere. And it all started with, Hey, this, this is Aiden. He's a really cool kid. Here's some things that he might need so that he can do better in your class. Those conversations are key. I think it's important to, to celebrate the moments that are really working. You know, last year we had a PE teacher. I don't think he had any background in special education, but he completely included every single one of our kids, no matter if they had an orthopedic um, impairment or, you know, all of our kiddos. You could look out onto the basketball court and not know who was who. It was just the PE class having fun, period. And that was huge. So those moments are, are what you celebrate. You're listening to Inside Education. This is Michelle Hutchins, your host this evening. I have the honor of interviewing Amanda Pearson, Kelly Labus, Aiden Thrillkill, and Chris Thrillkill. Uh, Amanda and Kelly work at Willits Unified School District, and Aiden is a high school student, and Chris Thrillkill is his mom. Our focus this evening is on Autism Acceptance Month and the student experience of having autism in our public schools. If I'm a parent and my child has autism and I'm going to public school, there's going to be a plan for my child. It's called an individual education plan. How would you or what would you say to parents to help them be most prepared for their child's plan day so that they can make the most out of that moment um, to get the best services, et cetera, for their children. Making sure that they know that they have not only a right to participate, but are always in, uh, in the driver's seat in terms of knowing their kid first and foremost. And so to prepare for an IEP, making sure that when the teachers are reaching out, it's okay to respond. It's okay to respond by email or, you know, we have all these great little programs like Class Dojo, uh, which is an app online. You can ask for that IEP ahead of time so you can take a look and think about it. And of course, it's not always easy. You know, everybody has lots and lots of things on their plate. If your child has that meeting scheduled in May, for example, it's usually going to be around May every single year. And so it's all right to know, hey, it's coming up. Reach out and say to your teacher, you know, a couple of weeks ahead of time. 
hey, I'm really thinking I'd like Aiden to work on this for the upcoming meeting. It's all right to reach out. It's all right to make those requests. It doesn't always happen. Uh, sometimes it takes lots of logistics, but, um, but communicate uh, helps. Great. I think it's important. I guess it's no secret that actual IEPs are like 42 pages long. They're long and there's a lot of words that big words that not a lot of people know. So ask a lot of questions, get clarifying answers. Like Kelly said, you're in the driver's seat and know that the whole IEP really is to tailor what we're doing to best support your kid. That's the whole goal. Mm -hmm. Now, if I'm a parent of a student that does not have a disability, and I think my child should be able to have the same level of services, what are your comments to those parents in the world? Oh boy, I've been in IEP meetings at the high school and workability and TPP comes in there. Our program that we have a grant where our kiddos with IEPs can be paid to work in the community. And I, always, I wish all students had this, right? It's wonderful. But they don't. They don't need it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, I think that's what I, I would say is that an IEP levels the playing field. If you feel that your child is, you know, needing something different or extra, reach out. Ask for a meeting. Um, have a conversation. Always start with a conversation. The reason that our students who have disabilities need those extras or difference are that it, it helps them access something that they wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Right. There's a, there's a term called educational benefits, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of, um, you know, education alphabet soup. That means that uh, the IP is designed so that your child with a disability can do what everybody else can do. It comes, it comes naturally to some kids, but the educational benefit, what is it that the child has difficulty with? That's what the IP is for to, help them access what everybody else can do automatically. Right. And as a parent, don't be afraid to ask for the movie. <laughs> when you're going into an IEP, having, you know, if you have a crazy idea that something maybe that you do at home or something you saw on TV or, or on Facebook or something, and you think that might work for my kid, ask for it. Uh, maybe it's a, a silly chair or some pencils, special pencils or, and, and just any idea that you can come up with that, you know, you think this might work, ask for it. And the answer isn't always yes, it's but, not, but, but the job of the IP team is to figure out what it is that the child needs. And if it can't be that, how can we work around? How can we problem solve together to give, again, to level the playing field? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's always okay to ask. And we consider um, the child's needs. And then we look at the resources that we have available. And maybe we can't do this, but there's some other things that we, we could try um, that might work. Mm -hmm. Aiden, I have a question for you. If you could, if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about school, what would it be and why? No math. 
<laughs> okay, we would get rid of math. Now tell me why. It depends on the kind of math. I'm talking about seventh grade and above. <laughs> because you go from, and this is not for everyone, uh, you go from you go from basic numbers to trying to figure out how to fit X into everything, and you try and fit Y into everything. And then all of a sudden, you're using only letters. So I'd rather just pound my head into a rock than <laughs> properly understand algebra. That's why we're taking college classes. This Hopefully. <laughs> That's not the answer I thought you were going to get. Well, it was. Yeah. My answer would have been a later start. A later start. Nice. Yeah. Eight, eight o'clock in the morning is very hard. That is Chris Thrillkill and her son, Aiden. Uh, Ms. Labus and Ms. Pearson, would you, if you were to wave a magic wand, or actually the question I really have for you is, what would you create in support of your program if you knew it would succeed? Um, you know, really, I think time for teachers to actually you know, just not have something plop into your lap, but, but to make it successful when it's, when it's worked the best, it's when the teachers have time to talk to each other and plan because this kid has some extra needs and a, a, a way to regularly look at what are we doing? How can I help? And, and making sure that things don't just happen on the fly. Um, it's, it's really important. And it's not available. You know, we need the 25th hour in the day and the eighth day of the week. If I could be able to provide all of our staff, every staff, not just teachers, but, you know, the support folks with more information. And again, that takes, that takes time um, because there's great information out there and it's available, but, you know, Everybody's got millions and millions of things to do. I don't know, Amanda, I'm sure you have others. I having been in the classroom. I completely agree with Kelly. That collaboration time is huge. And not only collaboration time with your paraprofessionals and gen ed teachers and speech pathologists, OT, all the service providers, but also time that everyone gets properly trained on evidence-based practices, what these disabilities are. I think, like Kelly said, if we could just have another day in the week, <laughs> more time, definitely. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to share with the listeners today to help expand autism awareness throughout our community? I have one thing. I recently went to a training, a great training, that talked about how Females are not are underdiagnosed with autism. Every four males to one female are diagnosed. And the reason why, maybe the reason why this is, is because the criteria for the assessments, the autism assessments are geared toward males. There's also other reasons like females present differently, maybe more subtly. Sorry, <laughs> um, females are also really good at masking 
masking is maybe hiding those stereotypical tendencies or it also could mean walking into a classroom a female with autism could walk into a classroom and maybe read the social cues and kind of know how to hide her how she presents so girls aren't being diagnosed as quickly as boys girls also a lot of times with boys and please correct me if i'm wrong that their um, preferred topic is something they talk about. It's what they talk about with everyone. Girls, <laughs> yeah, girls will definitely talk about their preferred topic, but you have to ask them. They'll keep it in, they'll mask until they're asked, and then they'll let you know. And personal experience as a guy, mm-hmm. well, you just wait like five seconds and people will just randomly start talking about something. You could go from Hey, how's your day doing? Five seconds of silence. So here does so did you hear about the new motorbike that's coming up? Okay. <laughs> that's different for yeah. girls. Yeah. So I hope that that's something that starts to change. And what what do you think is necessary to make that change? What should we be more aware of? What should either teachers or parents or um, other staff in schools be looking for? If your child isn't being successful and you just have this feeling, and I think also uh, trust the teachers. Uh, You know, I think that teachers often will say, you know, um, this young woman, I I can't put my finger on what's going on, but she's not participating or um, she really seems to have a block when it comes to this particular assignment or these kinds of interactions. Those are the times to ask for a student study team. Um, and and teachers often may not be able to put their finger on what's going on, but if you have a hunch that maybe there's there's some reason why your child isn't learning, it's, it's all right to say, hey, let's get together. Let's sit down. Let's meet. That concludes our show tonight. I thank you for listening to Mendocino County Public Broadcasting listener-supported community radio. This is Michelle Hutchins, your host for Inside Education. I look forward to speaking with you next month. We are the fourth Thursday of every month at 7 p.m. Good night, Mendocino County. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.